welcome to the podcast at Dawn's House, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Aoife. And today we're discussing Babysitter's Club number 15, Little Miss Stonybrook, dot, 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 and Dawn. <laughs> oh, I love this one, actually. Um, it's it's just a good old-fashioned like bunch of babysitters having hijinks and getting too invested uh, and learning a wholesome lesson at the end. <laughs> yeah, um, it was yeah. just like fun babysitting shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, like a return to form. Also, yeah. I've just noticed on the cover that I have, uh, on the Kindle edition that I have, it's mm. Little Miss Donnybrook, dot, 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 and Dawn, and there is no space after the ellipsis. Ooh, and I those monsters. That's, that's not good. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm hoping that it's just some sort of an artifact of rendering this for Kindle, but mm. I'm judging them. Yeah. <laughs> this this whole book has gone down in my estimation as a result. <laughs> <Disapproved>. <laughs> So yeah, I actually had forgotten that I'd ever read this one. Oh yeah. Um I thought before we, before I reread it that I hadn't. And then I got to Margot and Claire insisting that there was going to be a swimsuit round in the, <laughs> in the uh, beauty pageant. And I remembered being completely baffled by this because I'd never seen it like a grown-up beauty pageant and I had no idea that a swimsuit contest was a thing. And I was like, why is everyone obsessed with swimsuits all of a sudden? <laughs> so that is kind of, and also the, I, re, when I reread it, I was like, oh, this is where I learned that Popeye the Sailor Man song. Um, and ah. those, those were my childhood memories of this book. What about you guys? <laughs> I remembered quite a lot of this book. I think I read this one a fair bit. Um, and actually, I think I had the reverse of you, Esther, because when I read these, I mostly just accepted everything as standard culture that I'm not familiar with, but okay, cool. Um, and I was like, yeah, sure, there's a swimsuit round. And then I think I saw part of a beauty pageant at one point. And I was like, oh yeah, this is what Margot was going on about. But nobody <laughs> has a cool swimsuit with a crocodile on the front of it. So <laughs> disappointing, guys. Um, yeah, I remembered a bunch of this stuff. Um, what do my notes say? I remembered one of the kids winning or winning a, like at least placing in the competition with um, a song called The Good Ship Lollipop. Uh, and anytime I ever hear of that, I'm like, oh yeah, it's her, it's her song <laughs> from the pageant. Um, and I remembered, especially remembered the other kids being, um, I actually remembered them being sadder about not winning the competition than they actually are in the book, which was quite interesting to, huh. to come back to. So, um, yeah, I remember the general kind of, um, the, yeah. the way the whole thing went. I think I'm kind of similar. I mean, I remembered, yeah, they end up getting a load of the kids to enter Little Miss Stonybrook, mm-hmm. I did not remember the, like, bitter rivalry between the babysitters. <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> I didn't remember, like, there was tons of details that I didn't remember. I didn't even remember Margot's talent, though, when I read it. It's painful, <laughs> back to me. Margot's talent is amazing. I know. Mm-hmm. I, she should have won. It's I so didn't remember that uh, Mariah was, Maria, Maria, the oldest Perkins girl, was good at, was actually able to dance and sing and stuff. I couldn't mm-hmm. think she'd had yeah. lessons. I didn't remember Good Ship Lollipop or anything. And I remembered that it was won by one of those beauty pageant kids mm. who sang Moon River. Yes, I remembered Moon River as well. That was the first time I'd ever heard of Moon River. This was <laughs> it. Like, so I, I didn't remember this was the book where Jeff left. I didn't remember so much about it. 
But at the same time, I remembered roughly what happened. And, yeah. And I, I remembered he won the pageant. <laughs> it felt very familiar coming back yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. To give a, a one sentence summary, Jeff goes back to California. The girls all coach random babysitting charges to be in a beauty pageant. Hijinks ensue. That sums <laughs> yep. it up, basically. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. So, um, so Dawn initially is called in by Mrs. Pike specifically to coach the two youngest Pike girls because they have heard that this beauty pageant is about to go down um, and they really want to be in it. <clears throat> and Donna's like, oh, okay, cool, cool. Um, and then she tells the rest of the babysitters about this and there's varying responses. Um, some of them are like, oh, it's so sexist. Um, especially Mallory and Jesse. Mallory yes. and Jesse are the most against beauty pageants. They are like disgusted. They really are. Yeah. They are as the youngest part, members of the group. They're like the, the most hardcore feminists and the rest of them are like, mm, yeah, maybe. And Marianne was like, oh, I can see why a girl, you know, a little girl might want to be involved in this. I was so angry at Christie's reaction. Yeah. Which uh-huh. was, yes, it is sexist, but I can see how it could be fun too. And I was like, that's <laughs> the worst possible response, Christy. Like, Christy just openly owns this as her new problematic fave. What this really reminded me of was like Tumblr makeup discourse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. Um, I, especially Christy's thing of, well, it is sexist, but also I want to do it, so I will. <laughs> I feel like it's possible to recuperate makeup as a practice in ways that beauty pageants are kind of like hard to to... justify yeah Yeah, particularly for small children like yes oh yeah no 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 i also hey it's the first time the word sexist has been used in these books yeah yeah it's i didn't remember that at all i was really surprised to see that just being very overtly a thing that the girls are willing to call out as being sexist yeah um but the thing that i noticed particularly was that so dawn gets involved in this and she's pretty keen she's like yeah okay i can do this this sounds like it'll be fun and then the other girls many of whom have been pretty down on this start to get kind of jealous yeah and um especially i think so mariah perkins um is is sort of inveigled into this by marianne who really puts the idea into her head and then christy is like Karen, you should do this too. Let me tell you all about it. And then Claudia does the exact same thing for Charlotte Johansson, who is of all the 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 the, the kids. Oh man, poor Charlotte. Oh, I felt so bad for Charlotte. She is the least enthusiastic about the whole thing, and she takes a lot of persuading, and then she has a horrible time. And yep. So all of that is kind of bad. The thing about Dawn is that um, she at least is going along with what the two Pike girls actually want. Yes. Um, She's being the least terrible. Yeah, she's being she's being the least terrible. <laughs> also, I love how she's completely self-aware about how the girls have like no actual talent. <laughs> she's aware they're kind of doomed here. There so Claire is five and Margot is seven and they're just like, Yeah, pageant, pageant, woo and they're trying to come up with what their talents are going to be. And frankly, I would have stayed to watch either or both of them perform. And I think the main thing is they come up with unique, interesting things to do and they get out on stage and they they just give it socks and they do well and they don't, you know, run off crying or any of the many things I possibly would have done under this circumstance. <laughs> Actually, no, seven-year-old me loved performing. It was like older me that stopped loving it. Yeah, no, I'd have, I'd have been all over this. I'd, I'd have said a poem. <laughs> I got second place in a talent show by Ooh. reciting a Jack Prolutsky poem when I was about nine, nice. I think. Uh, Which one? I was quite pleased with that. 
Um, it's the one about the dad who does all the DIY and breaks the entire house. <laughs> it's a, my father's listed everything he's planning to repair. I hope he won't attempt it because the talent isn't there. <laughs> I remember all of it. It's so good. It's such a good poem. But, um, I did preface it, which my mom still recalls whenever she tells this. Um, I got up on stage and said, now this poem isn't about my actual dad. I just need you all to know. <laughs> That's <laughs> amazing. I love it. Oh, I'm playing a character, you guys. <laughs> that's, that's so cute. They still gave me second place. So that I was, I was sweet. very pleased because I had been prepared for the fact that I might not win by this oh. book. So <laughs> right. please, please come second. Whereas I, um, I never, I did, I did speech and drama because my mom was mm. uh, trained as a speech and drama teacher, but I never did uh, like performances. I just did exams. Um, mm. So I would have said a poem because I knew I was better at that than anyone else I knew. Um, <laughs> and I was that sort of a little smug. Anyway, um, but I did get up at the strawberry fair in Enniscorthy once and there was a children's joke competition. I told a joke, which I proudly announced I had made up myself, which was true, which was how do you open the door to a monastery? How? With a monkey. <gasps> That's I actually won. pretty good. First place, I got a voucher for strawberries and cream and worriedly asked the MC on stage with the microphone there. <laughs> I don't like cream. Will they just give me strawberries and sugar? <laughs> and he assured me that that would be fine. Yeah, that is the most Wexford thing that has ever happened. <laughs> On the yellow bellies. <laughs> that's so good. That's adorable. Like, yeah, also that's a, that is a very good joke. That is better than any joke that has featured in these books thus far. Yes. Like, especially considering you came up with it. <laughs> well, you're going to say that it was better than any joke that, you know, your five-year-old had come up with. And I was like, yes, but I was eight, so. <laughs> oh, my five-year-old has not encountered, he's not, he doesn't seem to know what jokes are yet. And I'm just uh, relieved. Because <laughs> apparently me and a friend of mine learned about some kind of variety of jokes that don't exist anymore and nearly drove my parents demented <laughs> telling pom-pom jokes in the back of the car. My dad still mutters darkly, I nearly crashed the car. Like, I don't know jokes. what they were about. <laughs> I've never heard of a pom-pom joke. No, me neither. No. Are they some Australian thing or something? It, this was in Australia. I don't know. I have no recollection of this. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to warn you that there uh-huh. is this stage that kids go through where they have a vague sense of the jokes are a thing and they have a sort of an idea of the structure of jokes, but they don't know exactly how to put the components together in a way that's actually funny. And you have to politely pretend to laugh every time. Yeah. And it only lasts about three or four months, but it will be the longest three or four months of your life. I look forward to it. <laughs> Pom-pom joke gives me nothing. I mean, the nearest equivalent I can think that you never hear anymore was when I was really small. I remember these jokes being breathlessly told by uh big boys who were maybe nine mm-hmm. with accents I couldn't understand and they were talking too fast. I couldn't make out the words. Mm-hmm. On that show, Pat Inglesby briefly had an RTE. <laughs> okay. Um, he didn't always just stand in the street selling his poetry books. He used to be on television. Yes. Um, huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, wow. legit. Um. I can't remember what the show was. But I was really it was small. Called Pat's Hat. Pat's Hat. That's I it. don't remember anything about it, but I know I was really, really into it. Um, yeah, I, I was apparently very oh. enthusiastic about it. We had the tie-in book and everything. I'm sure, it did. <laughs> and these kids used to breathlessly tell Paddy Irishman, Paddy Englishman, Paddy Scotsman jokes. 
Okay. And it was always your typical, they were just your typical cheesy three idiots or three mm-hmm. people and one of them is an idiot jokes. Yeah, yeah. But the really weird thing is this yoke of it being Paddy Irishman, mm-hmm. which you wouldn't think would be said in Ireland much, but then it's also yeah. Paddy Englishman and Paddy Scotsman. Is that where that come from? Because yeah. I definitely... Paddy Irishman, Paddy Englishman, Paddy Scotsman. They go into a pub and they and then I wouldn't be able to understand what the kid said. That makes no <laughs> sense at all, but like... I think also the sound quality was just terrible on those. <laughs> It was like, whoa, 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 whoa. probably. I mean, I'm there blaming the fact that I was five and they were from who knows where talking very quickly, but who knows. Do you know, I've heard the, it's not quite the equivalent, but there's this um, <laughs> bit of a digression here. There's this 13th century Welsh poet <laughs> called David Ab Gwilym, who mm-hmm. used to write scurrilous poetry that was the thing at the time that people <laughs> used to like, be like, oh my God, he's coming into town. We're going to hear the latest. Yay. Um, and one of them, he's taking the piss out of the English and um he he's talking about sleeping overnight in a an inn in England and being disturbed by these like horrible Englishmen going around and their names are Hicken and Jenkin and Jack, which is like oh. clearly the thirteenth century Welsh names for like stereotypical English people. <laughs> I've heard of Hicken and Jenkin and Jack. Yeah, I've I've heard of that. That was you probably were in the same lecture like a year or two before it. Yeah, I I studied English. That's it. Also, (laughs) I've had a quick Google. Oh yes, multitasking here. Pom pom joke, nothing. There's some talks about Australians being like, anyone know any good pom jokes? Spit it. But it doesn't seem to be a big thing. Like it's just literally a couple of random posts. However. Paddy Irishman, Paddy Englishman, Paddy Scotsman mm-hmm. brought me to a Wikipedia page entitled An Englishman, an Irishman, and a Scotsman, which says that an Englishman, an Irishman, and a Scotsman is the opening line of a category of joke cycle popular in Ireland of the United Kingdoms. Blah, 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 blah. In Ireland, the characters are sometimes called Paddy Irishman, Paddy Englishman, and Paddy Scotsman. It's, it's so weird. Yeah, we used to tell them in my school as well. Yeah. Like they were, everyone used to tell them. And then in when I format, went to yeah. England and found out that they aren't all called Paddy in England, I was really weirded out. It is a strange convention. Oh, here's a good one from the Wikipedia article that I haven't heard before. So I'll say it Irish style. Paddy Englishman, Paddy Irishman and Paddy Scotsman were in a pub talking about their sons. My son was born on St. George's Day, commented the Englishman. So obviously we decided to call him George. That's a real coincidence, remarked the Scot. My son was born on St. Andrew's Day, so obviously we decided to call him Andrew. That's incredible. What a coincidence, said the Irishman. Exactly the same thing happened with my son, Pancake. There <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you go. All right. We should probably talk about this book a bit more. We really uh, the should. book, there's not that much content in the book. That's true. You know. Well, <laughs> there's Don's hilarious simmering resentment, which I want to talk about quite a lot. <laughs> Because it gives me life. Actually, no, I, I really want this, how this all breaks down and actually how nicely it's been foreshadowed. So the kind of the at each other at that meeting at the start mm-hmm. is because Claudia, uh, they're ragging on Claudia for getting the special jobs minding Charlotte. <laughs> I thought it felt kind of abrupt. It's like, yeah, um, Mrs. Johansson, Dr. Johansson rings up and is like, can we have Claudia, please? Because Charlotte really misses Stacy. And Claudia's like, okay, yeah, put me down for that. And all the other girls are like, well, I'm a good babysitter too, you know. And then they start like reeling through the ba- their greatest hits. Yes, it's hilarious. Like, <laughs> I love how John is, Dawn sees the reaction to Mary Ann being like, well, I called the ambulance with Jenny Prezioso and everyone turns at her and Dawn's like, well, I'm glad I didn't mention the fire. <laughs> yeah, and Christy's yes. like, I think we've all heard the Jenny Prezioso story a few too many times, Mary Ann. <laughs> Which is amazing because like we haven't actually seen any of that on screen, but like no. clearly... 
that's been building for a while. <laughs> and Donna's like, I was there. I helped you. Do you remember? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they all they, they all get very prickly very fast. Um, I also I feel it. like, yeah, so Donna uh, mentions that she rescued two children from a fire when she was babysitting in California and nobody <laughs> reacts to that. And I'm kind of like, you know... Maybe they don't think that actually happened. Maybe they're like, yeah, sure, Dawn. She has referenced it before, actually, in her in her job interview. Okay, well, she that's... originally joined. So <laughs> if it's a lie, she's sticking to it. <laughs> I'm sure it's true, but and I still think fires just happen to happen where Dawn is I... because she's had a lot <laughs> of comments about electrical fires. No, I think that the fire thing was more like there was a really small fire. I took the kids out of the house. So yeah, the fire out, it was fine. It like, was not a very big fire, no. <laughs> the toaster was smoking a bit. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've done that. There weren't children, but like, I've, I've, I was at my friend's house once, and they were doing the chip pan thing, and uh, oh, it went on fire. <laughs> and as they do, as as they do, yeah. And she ran out freaking it. Ah, it's on fire! It's on fire! It's on fire! Right. And I was like, where's your fire blanket? I don't know. We don't have a fire blanket. It's legal. You have it. Anyway, they couldn't, they'd never taken it out of the drawer. They didn't know where it was. I was like, okay, wet some towels. Just go get towels wet in the bath. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, he was standing there. He was training as a doctor at the time. He looked at it, realized it wasn't catching anything else on fire, left it where it was, and continued slicing the sweet potatoes. (laughs) Because there was nothing else he could do while we wet the towels. He was just keeping an eye on it. If it had started to catch the kitchen on fire, he would have then evacuated us. <laughs> there are two types of people. <laughs> but yep. he figured, you know, and we got the towels wet and we smothered it and it was fine, but wow. <laughs> Bless. <laughs> there's always a sweet potato in your stories. That's not true at all. This is the second time there's been a sweet potato. Sometimes there's a parsnip. <laughs> We're not allowed to talk about parsnips, apparently. There's, there's never a parsnip in my stories. I don't eat those. <laughs> Um, my only parsnip story yes, it's a is a story about how you don't like parsnips and your dad tried to make you eat them. Complaining that my dad puts them in stew and mm. I think they're potato and then I bite them and it tastes like treason and I give out to him. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with this. I think parsnips are lovely, but I do think that boiling them is a crime. But See, we weren't going to have parsnip opinions this episode and yet. <laughs> parsnip talk just happens. Okay, Christy's invented a bullshit ceremony to swear Mallory and Jesse in. Oh, yeah. And, and Dawn, Dawn is, is jealous because she didn't get a ceremony. Yes. And she's like, I know it's because J- Christy was jealous of me being Marianne's new friend, but I'm still annoyed that I didn't get to, I didn't get inducted and they get inducted and they have to take an oath on the club notebook, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> the sacred club notebook. Yeah. In fairness, it's only because Christy has just come up with this as an idea. It's not oh, yeah. really anything it's, to it's do with re- Dawn. Yes, it's not a premeditated snub on Dawn, but Dawn is fully taking it that way. <laughs> I mean, if Christy had thought of this, she would have been so caught up in the idea that she would have happily had mm. Dawn do the same thing. Oh, yeah, yes. it would it would reinforce her like her own role as the president and Dawn as the noob. So yeah, she absolutely would have done this and she probably would have made Dawn grovel way more than she's making Mallory and Yes, yeah, so it probably would have been specific part of the oath to respect the <laughs> office of club president. <laughs> and like, and now, kneel and put your hand on the book. Uh, and I promise not to steal Christy's best friend. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think, yeah. I think it is just that she didn't think of it. She would yeah. love to have Dawn swear an oath to her. Also, Marianne being Marianne, cries because the ceremony is so beautiful. I think we're starting to see Marianne 
descend into the Flanderized Marianne. This book is the is the moment where that's 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 happened. I think though, this is also the kind of age where people sort of lean into their own ticks sometimes. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think if your thing was bursting into tears all the time though, you wouldn't do it because you would get too much shit for it. It's embarrassing. Yeah, like it's really embarrassing. I mean, Marianne does feel very embarrassed about it. But- yeah, I, I I don't think Marianne's leading into this. Although also I think it's like could you imagine like I feel slightly ashamed of the fact that I've gotten slightly choked up at both the Woodies and the Super Value Christmas ads because I'm like, <laughs> they're just manipulating me and it's mm. working and I hate that. <laughs> like, can you imagine actually being manipulated by some crappy ceremony Christy Thomas made up in 10 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be humiliating. That's yeah. not how Marianne sees Christy, though. Like, yeah, she, Marianne thinks she's a genius visionary. Also, she's probably also like, oh, Mallory and Jesse are becoming part of our family, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. It's probably more, okay. she's probably got more positive feelings towards the ceremony, even. And I don't know, sometimes something is cheesy, but I still kind of love it. And then sometimes something is cheesy and emotionally manipulative and I really fucking hate that. And I think you've had the second reaction, but I think Marianne might have the first. You see, the thing is, like, I don't know. So some things I'm like, I love it. And I'm slightly choked up. Mm-hmm. Kind of mad about it. Like, I love yep. it for what he's at. The young fixes out Mrs. Higgins's gate. And the, the, the super value ad, which if you've watched it. No, I've heard people complain about it. I haven't really? watched it. It's just because it's sappy. We had the cynical reaction of that kid's going to get COVID all over his granddad. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I just like decided not to think about that. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of people being really angry at the um, sort of trying to sell the notion that everyone should go home this Christmas when it probably isn't probably not safe to no, do no, so. No, no, no. To be fair, I was annoyed about that, but I mm-hmm. think it was a really nice picture of what everyone actually wants this Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just going to forget about reality and this fucking virus and appreciate the fact that that's what everyone wants this Christmas and cry slightly. Mm-hmm. Although yeah. nothing has ever worked to manipulate me into crying as far as Christmas ads go, as that one that was done a few years ago by one of the UK supermarkets, like might have been Sainsbury's, and they set it during the Christmas truce. Oh, in fuck yeah. Like, I start <laughs> emotional about the Christmas tonight. truce in 1914 and I'm bawling. <laughs> like, bawling. Yeah, it's the most wholesome thing that's ever happened. And they did a sentimental Christmas ad with tear jerky music just to fucking hack my feelings <laughs> and, like, beautifully shot and, and I just was so angry and Tears were streaming down my face, but I was sobbing helplessly. And sometimes when I'm like, oh, lads, I need to go cry, I find that ad and I watch it. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't do 20th century history. My interest in history is pretty significant and it stops at like 1899. I'm done. I don't do anything that my family lived through, like in recent memory. I just, That's yeah. kind of fair. I think I just... Like, it's not even history. It's just like, I just want the bits that make good stories. Mm. And at some stage, someone told me about the Christmas truce when I was Mm -hmm. a very small child. And it caught my imagination 
in the same way that like sentimental Dubliner songs about coal miners caught my imagination <laughs> around the same age. Sure. Coal miners and trade unions and, you know, all mm-hmm. that kind of, like, I just, mm. actually, it was around the same age I also got super into the poetry of World War One as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm just into sappy stories, <laughs> to be fair. Not really history per se. Okay. History just comes along with it a bit because you want some context. Fair enough. Okay, well, I can see how... Christie's induction ceremony mightn't do it for you if that's the kind of register <laughs> it's, that you're. It's no in. Christmas truce. <laughs> this feels like a one-star review. <laughs> Amazon. As far as I'm concerned, it's more of a boy in the striped pajamas, a book that I hated and resented because it was like I can see you pulling the strings. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. oh. Sorry, John Boyd, if you're listening to this, I just wasn't super into that book. He's probably not listening. I feel you never, you never know. know. Someone you tell. never know. Someone who knows <laughs> yes. them is probably listening, but like that's the thing. This is mm-hmm. a small country. All right. Well, eventually it'll get back, and then we'll have a whole like beef with John Boyne, and then like he'll he'll have to come on to our podcast and account for his crimes, or else we'll get invited onto his podcast and justify our harsh stance. I haven't read the book. But I'm willing to believe it's bad. What's the name of your man, Pat Inglesby? We could probably get him. Probably. I don't know if he has the internet. <laughs> we'll just interview him in the street. Go round to Westmoreland Street, chat with him. He hasn't been there for years. He lives in Clontarf. Like, I know where he lives. He roughly. used to get my bus. I used to yeah. get the same bus home. You'd see him with his trolley full of books. One of my proudest and happiest moments, I was walking through town one day and I stopped to have a chat with him, as you do. And he looked at me and I, I don't know, I was wearing like a cute beret and a skirt and stuff. I don't know. I just was like, I want to dress cute today. And he looked at me and I'd, I like your hat. And then he looked, he said, I like your whole rig out. And then he was just like, I got a compliment off Pat Inglesby and I'm so happy. That's awesome. We should explain oh. to our non-Dublin listeners, Pat Inglesby is an old man in a hat who writes a lot of books and sells them on the street in Dublin city centre and that is just what he has done for many decades and he also has a little like fake pigeon that he poses next to the books uh, for added interest and it's adorable and he's generally beloved. My favourite thing is the sign he says, the handwritten sign that says Le Reiter Berla on show. (laughs) <laughs> so in Irish it says English is spoken here oh yes he also says um, real Irish poet not dead yet um, yes yes. sometimes I think um, I'm trying to find I don't know if you can buy his stuff online oh the bookshop.ie seems to have uh, some of his books so yeah if you're listening to this you should grab one of yeah. his books a lot of the Irish <laughs> booksellers will have his stuff I think yeah he won't sell through I think he doesn't like Easton's much but I don't know why <laughs> Well, there could there's a beef there. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> there's clearly a backstory. Yeah. Okay, a few years ago, um, somebody died. It was probably Seamus Heaney, and I was in my usual uncharitable way commenting to Esther that, um, gosh, everybody seems to remember their leaving cert poetry so clearly whenever uh, an Irish poet dies, <laughs> and we were speculating on maybe we should like like circulate fake news about the death of some other Irish poet and see if everybody bites. And Esther was like, ah, oh, Derek Mann, we hardly knew you. <laughs> and then 
Derek Mann actually died just really, really recently. <laughs> and I, I thought of that and was like, no, it would be very uh-huh. poor taste to mention this. But Pat Inglesby is literally talking about that. Look, I'm not dead yet. You can you can actually buy my books. Yeah, for, but for that reason, my... I would never circulate fake news to say that Pat Inglesby had died. No, 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 no. that would be terrible. And no. I really hope if it does happen that I can get to his funeral. because I mean, eventually. He's so <laughs> oh my God. When Pat Inglesby dies, Roddy Doyle is going to write a sanctimonious <gasps> dialogue about it. And then <laughs> I'm going to die of sheer anger. That's yeah. what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, this um, is where, this is where we like have set up a lot of literary beefs. Apparently, <laughs> we spill all the tea about contemporary Irish men of letters, and I say men advisedly. <laughs> my favorite story about Seamus Heaney, though, was one I can't remember. One of my lecturers when I was in college was talking about how um, some visiting American poet uh, was get was they were they were on the dart because they booze mm-hmm. and Seamus Heaney and his wife were there. Whatever. They were on the dart uh, and. Um, People kept offering Seamus Heaney their seat because they recognised him. Oh, yeah. And this American poet was like, do people know who you are because you're a poet? That <laughs> yeah. shouldn't happen. Yeah. I don't know when the stat was from, but certainly at one stage, um, probably circa 20 years ago, to be fair, but I don't know where you find these stats. We <laughs> Ireland bought the most poetry per capita of any country in the world. Yeah. We just like poetry here, apparently. Mm. I, I'd like, I think Seamus Heaney is a great sort of cultural icon, um, but I fucking hate his poetry. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose even having an opinion on it, right? That means, <laughs> that stands yeah, for something. Like, yeah, okay. you're not apathetic on his poetry. <laughs> okay, just, just, just read Pat Coughlin's essay, Bog Queens, and that like expresses everything you need to know about my view on Seamus Heaney's poetry. Good. No. <laughs> oh, it's, it's great. It is. Well, if you're an Irish feminist, you have like, it, if you're an Irish academic feminist, you've probably read this poem. It's it's very, it's very, very useful. I don't think I have because I wasn't into stuff on contemporary poetry, to be fair. Like, <laughs> I just wasn't. And ne- like, so I wouldn't have read a lot about that. Um, this wasn't so much about poetry as settling some scores. And why, why you have, sooner or later, somebody has to say, you're not allowed to talk about how much you fancy the dead bog girl. <laughs> you, you actually have to cease and desist, Seamus. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not much into poetry, but I'm extremely into other people settling scores. Uh, so definitely send me this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Can you email that to both of us, please? I, I will. And I think, uh, I don't know if it's generally available, um, but yeah, Patricia Coughlin is a, is a legend. <laughs> That's why we're asking you to get it and send it yeah. to us, okay? For our research. <laughs> this is an incredible digression. I don't know, though. Like, it's... it. Nobody ever promised this would be entirely about the babysitters. <laughs> <laughs> no, instead they're going to listen to us talk about, like, which to the things that to the rest of the world are really, are like, obscure. Yeah. Contemporary Irish poetry and beefs with Irish poets. I, <laughs> like, no... I'm actually just thinking about like how much everyone in my leaving cert class, including me at the time, hated Ivan Boland. Oh, really? And having to study it. Our teacher was in wanted us to be feminist, mm. and we were at that kind of age and stage thing for a lot of us with the, with the time of the world where a lot of us had kind of looked around and gone, 
Isn't that all sorted, though? Can mm. you not just chill? Yeah, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and that was it. A lot of us were like, I don't know what she's on. It's not the 80s anymore. I don't mm-hmm. know. Women don't have to give up their civil service jobs when they get married. Can we just mm. get on with things? Mm. Um, I, yeah, I isn't it that's... great that we've had this resurgence in fascism so the kids don't think that way anymore? <laughs> like, Well, it's I, to be honest with you, I don't think it took that because I mm. honestly think it's an age thing. I think... You feel like that because there's a lot of people making sure things are at least somewhat equal when you're in school. Mm. Like, there's a lot of people who are... And you don't... You haven't seen enough of it to see the patterns necessarily, is the main thing, I think. Well, I wonder if that's true anymore, because I'm thinking of Teen Vogue. Like, I think about Teen Vogue a lot. We didn't have the the internet to point out the patterns to us. Yeah, yeah. So we just kind of had that, like... (sighs) Like, yeah, I don't know where you're coming from with that. It's not the 70s anymore. I remember that. Trying to make me into a fabulous. Yes, I'm not going to burn my bra. I'm a cool girl. And it was like, I I just don't know what the... It wasn't even annoyed at it. It was just like, I don't know what the fuss is about. Mm. But I think having the internet to point out the patterns that otherwise, like, (laughs) I didn't notice till my Mm mid-20s. It was like, no, these are patterns. Yeah, I'm not a huge Van Bolen fan but i love the night feed that's so nice the love set you nice going like a fat gold yeah. watch is one of my favorite lines i think i, think I got really good. annoyed at some of hers because she's not like she she didn't she wasn't read in ireland mm. and there was some poem she wrote that our teacher kept going on about and i remember my response whatever answer i wrote to it in school was just mm-hmm. basically like she this is some hollywood irish Mount, well, mountain time nonsense. <laughs> and I just did a, like, two-page rant <laughs> on how that poem was obviously written by someone who only had a distant connection to Ireland and really wished they had a closer <laughs> one, but the idea of Ireland they had in their head wasn't the Ireland that anyone who'd actually been raised here would have had. <laughs> Hashtag world mountain time. <laughs> well, I mean, like, that was... 20 years away but yeah pretty much I, I just fired away whatever it's just not changed it just hasn't things the more they change the more they stay the same yeah, yeah. oh man so I looked at the age of the actors in Wild Mountain Time and it turns out that they're both my age which means that that quaint childhood images of them in their little tartan skirts and their fair isle jumpers like he should have been wearing a Bart Simpson t-shirt or maybe an Italian 90 t-shirt <laughs> yes that is true. I'm yeah. not sure what age he was, but you know, somewhere between those two. Or a little shell suit. A little shell suit, exactly. Yeah. Nylon tracksuits. Like, <laughs> I was, I was a small Irish child who played outside in the muddy countryside a lot, and that's what I was wearing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mean you weren't wearing tweed and blankets? Weirdly enough, no, I was wearing fast fashion with pop culture characters silk screened onto it, like most people. I had television, like those children who look like they're from the 1950s, they were going in at three o'clock to watch The Den. <laughs> Do you know what? There should be like a recut, like a recut trailer of this where you have the local people in the village talking about the weirdos talking to the donkey <laughs> and, you know, giving their side of it and being like, oh, yeah, they're, they're Yanks really, you know, in, in various, they, otherwise they wouldn't have these notions. Jesus. <laughs> did you notice there? Why, why did they dress the child like it's 1962? I don't know. Here, come on, Jim, we, we go in for a latte. We will. Like, that. That's what you want there. Yes. Like, would they not put a pair of wellies on her, you know, <laughs> yeah. in this kind of weather, you know? Just, like, 
doesn't matter what the weather is. I wore wellies 365 days a year because yep. I would always find a body of water. <laughs> I, I really thought you were going to say you'd always find a body. And I was like, wow, your childhood I mean, was edgier than I thought. I had found, no, I found a sheep skull once. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Lusk that murders. Pretty cool. <laughs> well, no, no human skull. We were very excited. We thought there might be bone. Like, we found bones in the stream and we thought they might be human bones. So there was a sheep skull very nearby. So I think it was a dead sheep. It's probably <laughs> the most likely, yeah. Listen, <laughs> yeah. guys, humor me. Can we talk about this book? Oh, crap. Nah. <laughs> Sorry, crap. Esther. Okay, we'll get done by 11, I promise. There isn't that much more of this book, Definitely to be right honest. Definitely get done by 11. But I would like to talk about the book some. <laughs> We've got 52 minutes. Let's go. <laughs> we can't do it in 52 minutes so um <clears throat> yeah the next chapter is dawn goes home uh oh yeah she mentions that her house's secret passage was probably part of the underground railroad and like that just came out of nowhere yeah mm. like that was not mentioned at all in any of the previous books is it the correct time well, I mean, her house is colonial, so, mm. you know, it could have been be. there then. Um, when is the Underground Railroad? Well, according to Dawn, it's during the Civil War, but I imagine, you know, in the lead up to the Civil War In the lead well. up to the Civil so War. like mid-19th century. So her house is old enough to have... Um, to- and the tunnel, they speculated it was being used by Jared in the early 19th century. Yeah. Oh, okay, right, right. Sorry, yeah, I yeah. thought... I thought you were saying that it was built for the purpose of the Underground Railroad. No, because no, it's, it's much other. Yeah, okay. At the time, no, I'm totally on board with it getting repurposed. Like, yeah, no, cool. Maybe she just discovered the Underground Railroad later on and thinks it would be cool if that's what happened. Yeah, I guess, I guess they did it in school or something. Yeah, it's just weird that, like, this is the first we're hearing about it and she's mentioning it like it's a detail from an earlier book or something. Like, as you all know, the tunnel was totally part of the Underground Railroad and, mm. like, this was not set up at any point, which is weird. Uh, Mm. Jeff is in a foul mood, as always, and is being mean to their mom because she has a big ink stain all over her blouse, which she says is disgusting. Fuck off, Jeff. And that everyone at work is probably laughing at her, which Mm. people are always laughing at her for being covered in ink and putting her glasses in the butter dish and whatever, but he shouldn't say it. Also, I'm assuming that if they're laughing at her, it's in a, oh, that Sharon, she's got an ink stain, but she's good at her job. Yes. You know. Presumably, yes. Not in a super mean, I would like to hurt her feelings kind of way. (laughs) Yes. Jeff definitely wants to hurt her feelings. Jeff is being a jerk. Yeah. But yes, basically he's miserable and he says that he really wants to go back to California. And Mm -hmm. Dawn is absolutely horrified because her mum says that she'll see if she can make it happen. And Dawn sort of Mm -hmm. had not thought that this might actually come to pass. So she's very upset. Yeah. Uh, It's not very funny. So we're not going to talk about that very much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jeff is miserable. Dawn is miserable. Their mom is miserable. Everyone cries. This is actually... One of the first th- things we see Dawn, ha- one of the first kind of emotionally fraught situations we see Dawn handle really badly. Yes. Um, mm. She's always the one who's like, oh, I know how to handle this person who's upset. But I think when it's her who's upset, she just doesn't know what to do. Yeah, basically. I mean, I, I think I think Dawn's reactions are all pretty understandable. Oh, yeah. No, and they they're, are. They're... It's just that she's very socially adept up to now with like mm-hmm. managing everyone else's sort of emotions and sort of helping people feel better and that kind of thing and 
that, yeah, she can't do that with this situation, which is like, it's not a criticism of her. It's just something we haven't seen before. Yeah. But yes, then Claudia is reading the local paper to look for crimes. Um, (laughs) She Apparently the recent highlight is that around Halloween, there were 42 pumpkin smashings. Yeah. So I was reading that. And actually the line is there were 42 pumpkin smashings reported. And I was like, is this, so did they, all these people, presumably approximately 42 households, or let's say two pumpkins per household, still 24 households reported this. And was it I was like, to the cops? Or to and then the I thought, newspaper. I actually much prefer the notion of an intrepid reporter going around interviewing people um, and like checking. Yeah. Oh, okay. So how many pumpkins were smashed? Oh, three at this house. Gosh. Okay. That's very bad. And then I was like, whoever is working for the Stony Brook News is going around smashing pumpkins and then interviewing the people for the local interest angle. I dun, mean, dun. Yeah. That I'm probably inflating the numbers still. Entirely. Yeah, I think they are. I just don't really think much of the reporting ability, the journalistic integrity of the uh, Stony Brook. Also the fact that they have an article about how a guy said there was a burglar in his yard, but then the police came and there wasn't anyone. That's really scraping the bottom of the news barrel. Have you read a local newspaper for a small town? No, because they're exactly like this. Yeah, that is exactly what they're like. There is nothing. They'll recover, they'll cover John Smith's retirement due and like just anything. Like one time the Fingal Independent, which covered many towns, by the way, many towns, some of them were slightly bigger than Stony Brook. They covered swords. came to my school and interviewed third class about our favourite subjects. That got in the paper. (laughs) God, it was a simpler time. (laughs) Can I also just add? Yeah. Angry pig goes hog wild. (laughs) Lest we forget. (laughs) There's no hilarious headlines in this book. I know, I felt so cheated. Yeah. I wish Anna Martin had kept that up as a regular thing. That would have been so fun to watch out for. Definitely. <laughs> Sorry. So anyway, Claudia is reading the newspaper and we've got like five minutes worth of content out of that. <laughs> this is why we're not going to get through the rest of the book by 11 o'clock. We still have 46 minutes. I also love that Claudia, um, she sees the article about the Little Miss Stonybrook pageant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she says that she thinks they're sexist and that it's, um, what's that word that sounds like tape deck? Stereo something? And mm-hmm. all, like stereotyping. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. It's it's just, it's so Claudia and it's so 80s. And it was the first time I heard that term as well. Yeah, mm. Christy says pageants are dumb and sexist but <laughs> fun. Marianne thinks it's glamorous. Yeah, Mallory and Jesse go like full Teen Vogue and are like, this yes. is disgusting. This is everything mm. that's wrong with society. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Now, I get a feeling that this was solely just because Alain Martin was like, I can only do so many entrants to this contest. <laughs> <laughs> Very possibly. But I mean, like, she doesn't I really come the- out in favour of the pageant scene at the end. So I think... No, no, oh, no really. not at all. Like, yeah, not and really, I- but I think if she wanted to make a strong anti-pageant stance as like an... Uh, what, like, if that was the main goal, what you would do is you would have some of your older babysitters, maybe me, Auntie Pageant, mm. the innocent, new, younger, easily swayed 11-year-olds would be like, 
oh, it seems fine. But no, this really strikes me as, okay, that's enough. That's enough of them <laughs> into this now. The younger two can just think it sucks. And I will write in there that Jesse's younger sister is super shy and doesn't want to. Go. <laughs> But I really liked that the two younger girls are the ones who were like, ugh, I cannot yes. believe you guys are going along with I this. I love it. Like I said, it's very um, teen vogue. I love it. And also, it's kind of part of the dynamic where the older girls are these close friends who are also kind of competitive with each other. Mm-hmm. And the two younger girls are much more of a unit and they've really recently been introduced to the group. And they're like, what? What is <laughs> yes. going on yeah, here? They're very, like, when everyone starts sniping at each other about how they're the best babysitter in an emergency, Mallory and Jesse are just kind of nervously like, looking at each other. They're like, okay. <laughs> also, Dawn is largely motivated by spite here in yeah. taking the pageant coaching job because, um, She's still pissed off at Christy for the induction ceremony. (laughs) So she volunteers to do it. And then Christy is furious. And I I love it. (laughs) The only innocent victims are the girls, like the the small girls. The poor girls are such pawns in this whole thing. I think if Dawn wasn't having such a hard time at home, she probably would have risen above this and not actually been like, yeah, to spite Christy. (laughs) Um, I mean, spite's a good motivator. Um, Yes, Mallory is worried that they'll be contaminated <laughs> by being in the pageant. My poor little yeah. sisters. They're going to be brainwashed. Mallory also, let's not forget, has to live in the same house as them. And she's the only <laughs> member of the BSC who can't go home and leave the pageant behind her, which is really hammered That's home. That's true, I and mean, it sounds absolutely diabolical. Given the descriptions of them rehearsing their talents, it's like a legitimate complaint. Yes. <laughs> I I love how I love that Anna Martin is like you know she's writing very enthusiastically about looking after little kids and how little kids are basically a lot of fun to be around but also she's very clear-sighted about how annoying they can be (laughs) and I love that like these kids are frequently exhausting so yeah we Mm. next see Christy (laughs) sort of one by one we see all the babysitters get sucked into this so um first is (laughs) all the dominoes fall parents have hilariously gone to an auction to buy an antique bird bath which is just the most weird rich people thing ever and like Christy thinks it's weird and I love it (laughs) I love that like Christy's mom has gone from being like normal lower middle class to like going to birdbath auctions very rapidly she's clearly adapted to the rich people lifestyle yeah um so yes first of all she's playing the hotel game with uh karen and david michael and andrew i always like this game uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i particularly love what happens here um so david michael didn't really want to play and andrew didn't really want to play but Christy and Karen kind of persuade them into it. So David Michael is being the receptionist at the hotel and Andrew is a pirate. The receptionist and the pirate instantly hit it off and decide to run away to sea and be pirates together. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I think I've read that slash fic, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not when they were seven and four. Not when they were no. seven. No, that's Actually, not, just that's cut this whole bit out. Plot, not the actual people involved in it. Yes, they are platonic best yeah. pirate buddies. No, they just really didn't want to play the hotel game and I thought it was really fun. Yes, they are now Old Bad John and Andrew the Awful and they run off. I love those names. I think Old Bad John is my favourite because it puts old in the wrong place and it's great. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's just kind of weak as a pirate name. It's really not intimidating at all. 
so yes, they they decide to go off and pursue a pirate bromance. Um, so Karen gets really upset and starts crying, and Christie's like, "Pageants." Do you know what's fun? Pageants. You should be in a pageant. Um, it's for girls who are five to eight. And Karen's like, I'm five to eight. Can I be in it? Speaking of five to eight, when I was about four, uh, sorry, no, when I was just gone five, actually, I, I asked about how, where do babies come from? Um, actually, I didn't. I said, Mammy, can a man and a man get married or a lady and a lady get married? And there was this really long pause that I didn't understand until a long time later. And she said, yes, I would like to point out that homosexuality was illegal in our country at that time. She said, yes, but they couldn't have children. And I was like, well, yeah, but two ladies could, obviously. Because <laughs> I thought the pregnancy was something that happened spontaneously to women after marriage. Well, yeah, babies um, come out yeah. of ladies, so. I mean, yeah, it made sense. I knew there was the thing in there, the part, the organ <laughs> where the baby grew. And I just thought that that happened after marriage. And... um my my mum then explained to me like why no he genuinely did that that wasn't how it would work and and she then got this I think her sister posted her this book that she had used for her kids called A Doctor Speaks to Five to Eight Year Olds and I'll never forget <laughs> it because I remember looking at the title turning to my mother and saying it's a good thing I'm five or I couldn't read this book. <laughs> Did it answer all your questions? Yeah, no, it was actually a really good little book. Like, I'm, I, it looked like it was from the 60s or maybe early 70s, but like it was. Well, then it wasn't from here. <laughs> it was uh, definitely not from Ireland. Um, but it was a really good little basic explainer. You know, it started off talking about tadpoles and chickens and how babies grown and then talked about people. And hmm. yeah, no, I, I was impressed with this little book, uh, as a kid and told me everything I needed to know at the age of five. Uh, so, mm. yeah. Well, good thing you were old enough for it. <laughs> yeah, I know. If I had before, <laughs> A friend of ours brought in the book that he was given, which his <laughs> folks had a, a 70s one, which was all cartoony and stuff and was quite good, except the thing that I recalled most specifically was they did use the word penis. So that was appropriate. But apparently vagina was above the pay grade of the children <laughs> reading this. So <laughs> a, a man would put his penis in the woman's baby-making hole. <laughs> No. Yeah. No. Which is just such an illustration of that whole thing about how, like, men's bodies are just nude, but women's are obscene. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. come on, guys. Also, like, so much worse. Yeah. It's really so bad. It's a really horrible phrase. <laughs> Use vagina. It's fine. It's like one letter away from being a girl's name. Come on. <laughs> it's the yeah. Latin for sheath. It's fine. <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Um, where were we? We were on Karen Rurus five to eight, so she's gonna go on the pageant. <laughs> yes. Oh God! Oh, imagine giving Karen Brewer the talk about babies. Oh my God! <laughs> oh my God! She would instantly tell everyone in school. Oh yes, she'd have a whole like crowd. I may have done this actually, or something similar. So I was specifically told not to. I was specifically told after I got given a doctor speaks to five to eight year olds that this was something that other children's parents needed to tell them. But it was my mom knew how to get to me. She was like Evie. Because I got called Evie when I was small. Evie, <laughs> you're very clever for your age and you're going to be able to understand this. 
the other, other children might not. The other kids are thick as two short planks. <laughs> so please, you can't talk to the other children about this. You can talk to me or daddy if you have questions, but do not tell the other children. Their parents are the ones who need to tell them this <laughs> when they're old enough. Please. And to be fair, I didn't. Do you know, I have a much less wholesome but still kind of amusing story. <laughs> a friend of mine um, who uh, has like serious feminist chops. I, I'm very intimidated by her sort of abilities and stuff, but she said she was, um, they oh were living God. out in, I know what our, story this is. in Artane and she said there were these local kids, slightly older boys kind of in their, in their teens who were sort of hanging out and making sort of trouble around the place and who kept like youths, youths basically who kept hanging out in their yard and making, I can't remember exactly what it was, just disturbing them anyway, but, um, she went out and yelled at them to to get out, basically, because get out of my hedge, like just yeah. back off and stop making a nuisance of yourself. And they came out and they had a porn magazine, and one of them held up this page, which is like a double page of this woman with her legs spread apart, and was like, "What do you think of that?" And she said to him, "I think you came out of one of those." <laughs> and she said his face just was like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> and he went away. She just forced him to think about his mother in the context of a porn mag. That's amazing. Yep. She ruined everything for him. I was like, that is a power move. <laughs> so I hope they fucked off and just... <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it would never, ever in a million years have occurred to me to say that. Like, And I was like, Kate, you are just... <laughs> She's a hero. I, I often think of that line of like... <laughs> Yeah, you tell him, Lady Karen knows. <laughs> so impressed. I am you know. so impressed. Wonderful. <laughs> um, anyway, so we, we went first. <laughs> anyway, facts of life and disturbing teenagers aside. We have 32 yeah. minutes. <laughs> okay, so I reckon rather than kind of going through the storyline, because we've summarised it, there's a beauty pageant. Mm. What we should do is talk about the talents that each of the kids does and oh then my talk God, about what happens so good. to the pageant. Yeah, that would does make that sense. Does that sound good? Okay. Sounds or good. is Esther disturbed because she likes her plan? I do like things to be in order, but I guess we can do it this way. <laughs> I'm sorry okay. to in- intrude on the Christiness of it all. Interject if there's some specific plot stuff. Yes, I will. Although okay. Esther made a brilliant face just there, which I'm sorry that you can't hear <laughs> on the recording. It was very like, I'm being, you know, I'm controlling my emotions. It's my magnanimous <laughs> face. You haven't seen it very often. I mean... Okay, the best talents are Margot and Claire's. Frankly, it's Margot's. They are so subversive and wonderful. I love the Pike Girls' talents. (laughs) So, first off, Dawn is just like trying to like, okay, what can you guys do? Actually, on the subject of the talents, when Dawn is trying to figure out what to do with the girls, at one stage she mentions that the Pikes have a grand piano. Yeah. And my question is this. Why? What the fuck? How do they fit a grand piano into an ordinary suburban house that houses eight children and two adults? I think the Pikes have a few quid. Mr. Pike is a corporate lawyer. But but their house is still like, okay, I'll put it to you this way. I talked to my husband about this. My husband grew up in a large house and was one of five children. Mm. And I was like, okay, I described this familial situation of the Pikes to him because he... Mm-hmm. Has never heard of them. And I, <laughs> of course. Philistine. You know, exactly. And I was like, even given that like US houses are larger, okay, and assume this is a nice upper middle class suburb. And then he was like, okay, so think about like the house I grew up in, which was large, and he only had five 
there was only five kids and two adults in the house. Mm-hmm. And his comment was, we had an upright. Was his <laughs> comment. <laughs> like, if I think maybe Anne just sort of auto-typed the word grand in there. Mm. If it was an upright piano, I'd accept it. Maybe Don doesn't know what a grand piano is. That is a more valid explanation, and it's pleasingly Watsonian rather than Doylist. So Maybe yeah, she like just it. thinks it means a nice piano. I think they have a. I think they have a sprawling house with lots of rooms, and I don't think it's it necessarily needs to be a rich person's house per se to have a bit of extra space in the US. Like I said, an up, upright piano I'll accept, but a grand piano. The kids don't have a bedroom apiece, but they. They have, like, they're clearly a five to six bedroom house. I have to admit, I'm kind of entertained by how upset you are at this piano. <laughs> I know, I, I just really, I, I spent ages trying to work out where the, like, what, why would you keep a grand piano? Listeners, do any of you know anybody with a grand piano? And eight children. And eight children. Or, But, like, how big of a house, how big does your house need to be before you can think about having a grand piano, is my question. A five or six bedroom house is still going to feel pretty cramped with ten people living in it. That's my point. Maybe Mrs. Pike or Mr. Pike is just like clinging on to this one piece of their their childhood dreams of being a concert pianist. A concert pianist. That's I'm just I'm grasping straws here. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, a grand, a grand piano is very large. <laughs> no, 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 it's fair. Okay, sorry, I got very hung up on that. Anyway, in the <laughs> end, the, the the talents that they go with, having worked out that nobody plays the piano, but Claire plays the kazoo. Yes, I love the image of Claire just like shredding on the kazoo in front of all these people. <laughs> yes. I, I kind of wish they'd let her do the kazoo. <laughs> and they take care to point out that Margot was really uncoordinated. Yeah. Um, Claire so, tried to do ballet, uh, spun around, tripped over a teddy bear and fell down. <laughs> yeah. Margot tries to sing and Dawn's like, oh no, she really can't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we cannot allow this. That's the thing. Yeah. Singing badly is so clear from the get-go. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have to clamp down on that. Yeah. There are lots of things you can sort of half-ass, but... Yeah, if you can't carry a tune, you can't carry a tune. No. So yes, Claire eventually settles on singing, I'm Popeye the Sailor Man, I live in a garbage can, I eat all the worms and spit out the germs, I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Delightful. And is like, how about somewhere over the rainbow? And Claire's like, nope. This is the song. You know what? <laughs> this is what I'm singing. Yeah. Good. I read that and I was like, do you remember the Leaving Cert? Did you do music for Leaving Cert, Esther? I did non-exam music. Okay. We had, I did the exam class for music and I didn't take music in the school, but various people did. And there was a practical section where you had to play an instrument, which could be singing. <clears throat> so that was perfectly fine. But there were clearly lots of people who didn't have an instrument and were just going to sing. I'm just going to kind of wing it. Um, uh, a big, which I just remember hearing the, hearing somewhere over the rainbow a lot, like a lot, a lot. And when I came in, so I, um, I played the clarinet. I was never brilliant, but I was okay. I could manage. And I did fine in music. I did like, I got like a B or something. It was grand. And, um, I went in to my exam to the examiners and, uh, I got the extinct, the distinct impression from them. Um, they were like, Oh, we've been so looking forward to hearing this. <laughs> I was like, did you just hear somewhere over the rainbow eight times? Is that what happened? I did not ask this because I knew in my soul that that is what had happened. And also I could hear 
did you play somewhere over the rainbow on the clarinet fuck no (laughs) i did not (laughs) actually i got um just this random girl i knew from the previous year to accompany me and now she is a a concert clarinetist um so like i i chose well i think clearly that was because of you yeah and like examiners for the leaving cert music practical like are so happy to hear anything that isn't somewhere over the rainbow performed again that's amazing uh, yeah. sorry yes uh yeah so good for claire um yep. by the sailor man is unique and interesting and i feel like um the judges should have been more there for it it's authentic to who she is as a person so it really is it really is and they turned it into a comedy routine and uh like they put her in a <laughs> sailor suit and she did like gestures and stuff yeah like and made faces. I think it actually yeah. would have been adorable. And you'd see it on the Late Late Toy Show. Oh, you absolutely <laughs> would. Um, and so she's also, she's five. And I think you just get a lot more leeway when you're at the very bottom end of the age yes. group that could yeah. be in this competition. Um, yeah, I think I would have enjoyed watching that. Yeah. Quite but a lot. The, but the best, the MVP of this is Margo. Margo. <laughs> whose talent is... She peels a banana with her feet while reciting, this is the house that Jack built. And then and eating eats the, the banana. banana while continuing to recite, to recite <laughs> the house that Jack built home. with a mouthful of banana. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I think both of those are spectacular. And I would rather watch them than like... Fucking most. Sabrina Bouvier singing Moon River. <laughs> Yeah, a hundred times, and they're so like dedicated that they they both pulled it off perfectly <laughs> because they won't stop rehearsing and everyone's driven insane. <laughs> There's a point where just every other Pike child retreats to a room to play Monopoly <laughs> to get away from them. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And like at no time ever has a family game of Monopoly been the less stressful option for her to spend your afternoon. Yes, exactly. And yeah, Dawn's like, oh, I guess I have to stay here and supervise your banana peeling. <laughs> it's adorable. It's so funny. And I really love how enthused they are for the whole thing, how determined to wear swimsuits they are. <laughs> there isn't a swimsuit round. Yes. Margot is like, I'm going to wear my swimsuit for this bit. And Dawn is like, no, everyone else is going to be dressed. Oh my God. She has a really cool swimsuit that has a crocodile on the front of it. Um, It sounds adorable. Yeah. And I was like, God, this is such an interesting comment on like little girls watching beauty pageants and going, this is so fun and not understanding the innate sort of sexualization. Because even like I say, like as a 10 or 11 year old, I completely did not understand how horrifying it would be if there was a swimsuit contest in a kid's beauty pageant. <laughs> like, I did not understand. Yeah, I bet there are some, though. Probably, Jesus. But yes, so Dawn has fully realised that she's a bit off more than she can chew and the bike girls are not pageant material. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she's grimly determined to see it through is. and to support them. And they go in and they make a good fist of it. And I really, you know, I think they all can be proud of their performance and maybe many 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 years later they may realize that (laughs) i think they did great and i think um like and i i really thought it was brilliant i had to laugh at dawn trying to coach them to give the right answers to the questions like world peace global peace (laughs) and she knows deep down that margot has no fucking idea what global peace is no and she's just like well they have to say it anyway yeah or the uh 
the the like what three things would you save from your house and like they're like oh god what are they gonna say yeah i was like i feel like what did the judges expect these small children to say yeah because um, dawn is there in the pageant and listening to all the kids go through their answers and being like oh they blew it oh they blew it i was like i don't know these are all kind of funny I think this is like Claudia cringing at Jamie Newton looking at his shoes too much in church. I think the girls sometimes just have very high standards for these kids. They do, but also the judges seem to be have very, um, very traditionalist expectations of kids in it. Why is one of the judges a doctor? That seems super random. Why is one of them an owner of a department store? Because I assume he sponsored it. Yeah, I think so. Maybe only 40 people live in Stony Brook. (laughs) That's true. They just picture people who sound official. Is this the equivalent of, like, the parish priest? (laughs) The doctor and the school teacher. All the local notables. Local dignitary. The fella who owns the pub. They can sign your passport application and judge your beauty contest. You would not have the parish priest judging a beauty contest. <laughs> no. Now or possibly ever, but still, yes. No, but you know what I mean? Just a panel of local notables. Local dignitary. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. basically it. Local yeah. person who can be trusted to be sober. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice, actually, um, one of them is the owner of the Stony Brook Dancing School. Yeah. And I was like, Guess who doesn't go to the Stony Brook Dancing School? That's right. Our resident ballerina, Jessie, has rejected the Stony Brook Dancing School and gone to Stamford instead. Uh, which Maybe it's not a ballet school. Maybe they just do, like, tap and jazz. There's probably that kind of thing. But I also like the idea that Jessie is... Um, Stony Brook. Like, there is definitely a suggestion in later books that Jessie is aiming for Juilliard. So, is that yeah, right? How do, you, how do you Yeah, s- I think so. How do you say that? Juilliard. Juilliard. Yeah, she's going... She's like Jesse's going on to bigger things yeah. so it's like yeah this two-bit dancing school teacher is like it's not gonna fly no sorry <laughs> no it's fair. it's fair so yeah um the Marianne finagles uh Mar- Mariah because Mariah actually has a ton of talent mm-hmm. and Marianne is like it's just going to waste if she doesn't get into the pageant yeah. <laughs> yes what else have you been doing gymnastics for all these years <laughs> and um Mariah's mother gives her a very serious talk about um, how, first of all, she might not win, but they'd still be proud of her. And, you know, she should just bear that in mind. And secondly, that there are other, there are going to be other kids in the pageant who are going to take it very seriously and they might not be that nice. Yes. Which is interesting. And um, the book specifically says, Marianne should have listened to this, but she didn't. (laughs) Mariah listened to it, you know, (laughs) and took it on board, but Marianne did not. (laughs) I wonder if, like, Mariah's mother seems really, like, well-versed in this. It's probably Mm. because she's got Mariah and is going to have Gabby enrolled in all of these dance and talent and stuff classes and knows that there's going to be contests. And there's going to be stage moms. and Kind of just prepped for this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, Dawn, there's a great line from Dawn. She's like, um, yes, we all should have listened. We kept talking about how winning wasn't important and none of us really believed it. Marianne knew that she was going to prove she was the best babysitter of all. They are, the babysitters are so, they just blundered into this <laughs> and they are so much worse than all the children they are supposed to be yes. <laughs> like, supervising. Can I talk briefly 
about the nemesis who gets introduced into this book. Yes. Oh, Sabrina yeah. Bouvier, who I remember, I recalled, and I remember the name even. Um, I, Sabrina Bouvier is not a real name. It's definitely a station. I, I remember it being a fancy name. <laughs> yeah. So the name Bouvier forever is just March Simpson's family to me now. To be yeah, honest. I know. Exactly. Uh, but I was like, God, oh yeah, she was evil. And then I read the book and I was like, she is a perfectly nice kid she does nothing yeah. wrong in yeah. this whole thing um so the, sabrina bouvier is um she's the ringer in this competition she's, she's been in six pageants previously the other girl's like oh my god she's wearing makeup oh um she comes out on stage with her hair in an updo which again is very simpsons i have to say <laughs> like well, elbow length gloves with gloves an evening gown yeah and she sings moon river which is not actually that terrible of a song, I'm sorry, in an, in an evening album. No, I, I'm just noted because this was the first time I'd ever heard of Moon River and then many years later <laughs> I heard the song and I was like, that's yeah. the song from the Little Miss Stonybrook pageant. <laughs> I know, right? I can see how it would be weird to have a six-year-old sing this. Yeah, yet. it's just like, it's it's a fine song, but it's just not a kid's song, you know? No, it's not yeah, really. Like, the, the Good Ship Lollipop was perfect. Like, if you want to yeah. be a, t- a seriously attempt to place well in a pageant. In a kid's beauty pageant. In a kid's beauty pageant. Yeah. Like, that's what you need to do. Dare I say it, somewhere over the rainbow. Like, it's similar. <laughs> no. <laughs> Boo. If you want to have a slow song, it's like, it's from a kid's movie and it's about <laughs> kid stuff. But like, what is Moon River about? Making out by the river or something? It's just a random love song with loads of sort of, um, we're having a romance kind of. Yeah, it's just a little symbolism. There's not a whole lot to it, I'll be honest with you. But Mary Black is the person who performed it in the version that I first heard. Um, I don't know that Mary Black is somebody to go for for like (laughs) first. She's fine, like, um, but yeah, definitely like, like Mariah's choice of singing, um, Tomorrow from Annie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, that would be. That's that's quite. There's loads of thematic stuff for kids that age. Yeah. Yeah, there's loads of actual kids songs. But still, Sabrina Bouvier, I was like, oh, she's so mean. And then I read it, I was like, no, she's... She's lovely. She's actually very nice. She's She takes a bunch of the kids backstage who are nervous and is teaching them relaxation techniques. Yes. Yeah. She might be flexing a little bit at them, being like, oh, I did six pageants before. Yeah, but she's being helpful to them. Like, she's genuinely... She's being helpful and she's being nice. And yeah. the, the babysitters are like, oh, she's the enemy. Yeah, yeah. it's like, this is just internalized misogyny. That's real. That's And, and also, the you are really like engaging in this competition in ways that are not healthy yeah (laughs) because you're supposed to just be helping the kids who are actually doing it they're like twice her age and they're so much older (laughs) like they turned into stage moms immediately they just (laughs) like a switch flipped yeah (laughs) yeah they're they're well they instantly hate her because her name is sabrina bouvier uh, yeah. They hear the name called out. Marco is like, that's her. I bet that's her. Who else would have a name like Sabrina Bouvier? I mean, yep. kid didn't pick her own name. <laughs> well, um, maybe she did, though. Uh, maybe she <laughs> did. The mum probably picked the name, though. I was going to say, even if it is a stage name, the mum picked it. Yeah, I mean, Sabrina's six. Like, n- she's not accountable for anything she does at this age. No. She doesn't actually not do really. anything objectionable. And also, like, none of this is her doing anyway. I mean, she might be accountable for helping the other kids relax a bit. Yes, <laughs> like, that's true. She's, because she, yeah. Yeah, like the only thing we see her do off her own bat 
is help out the other kids with some relaxation exercises and maybe flex on them a little by saying she's already had done six pageants. Which I would totally have done. I'd have been like, hey guys, I've been in six... (laughs) Who's got two thumbs and been in six pageants for now? If Karen Brewer had been in six pageants, she would have changed her name to Karen Six Pageants Brewer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, kids call me Six Pageants, but you can call me Karen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what's going on backstage. Yeah. It's backstabby as hell. Oh yeah, Margot tries to uh, sabotage Claire by telling her that when you shake hands with judges, there's a special rule that you have to shake with your left hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mallory's like, no, that's not true. Margot, stop lying to her. <laughs> she just made that up. As a kid, I was really scared that like, I might accidentally shake hands with someone with my left hand and it would be like a deadly insult and like my social status would never recover. When I went to join Cubs, so in the Scouts and all related movements, you shake hands with your left hand because Maasai did it. I don't know. Anyway. Baden Powell. Baden Powell culturally appropriated this concept. I think with the idea was you'd have to put your shield down so you were indicating that you didn't want to fight or something. Anyway. Uh, and you shake out and you're like, and I just remember the day before I properly joined Cubs, mom brought me, introduced me to the Cub leader, uh, in Lusk. Uh, he was a lovely, lovely man and, uh, he smiled down at me, a very small eight year old. I looked about six and, uh, said, now in Cubs, we shake hands with our left hand. And I just lifted both my hands up and looked from one to the other <laughs> with a look of, I remember being utterly panicked. Like, <laughs> no one had taught me the trick where you look at which one does an L. Mm-hmm. I'm like, my mom would be, which one do you bless yourself with? And I'd be like, I don't know. How am I meant to know which one to bless myself with? I think I do it wrong. I actually always did it right, but I, you know, didn't know that. Anyway, he pointed at my left hand and I shook hands with him and it was fine. But uh, I will actually always be really happy that, like, he was so nice about the fact that I didn't know my left and my right. And Aww. I, like, I, I genuinely loved that cub leader from that day on. <laughs> All that messing around with lefts and rights, I feel like you're at risk of people coming away going, I think that six-year-old is a Freemason. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What are the other girls' talents? There's a selection of them and they're mostly worse than Margot and Claire's (laughs) and less well-rehearsed too. Oh my God. Karen's reinterpretation of the wheels on the bus go round and round. <laughs> 15 verses of her own composition with things like oh the people on the bus are tired and hot or the dog in his carrier says, let me in. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like it. everybody wants to get off this bus, including the audience. Yeah. But that is pure Karen, though. It's, like it's, There is no way she would be persuaded to do anything no. other than what she wants. And even if she is mm-hmm. like has rehearsed five, five verses... If she can think of 10 more, she'll do them. Yeah. Improv Absolutely. is Karen's forte. <laughs> and it will stand her improv. well in her later life, but maybe not in this particular contest. <laughs> I love that it goes on super long. Uh, yes, Dawn actually does speculate that she's making the verses up as she goes. Uh, the judges are looking at their watches. And then when it's over, Christy and Dawn look at each other and shrug because they don't know if she did well or not. I, I think they have answered their own question here. Uh, I'll say. What are the judges even looking for, though? Maybe they wanted to just be long. Endlessly long. <laughs> Maybe. Um, Charlotte's talent is reciting the scene where Violet Beauregard uh, turns into a blueberry, but she can't do it and she runs away crying. And Claudia has mm-hmm. to find her parents to take her home. And Claudia's kind of, oh, this sucks. Not because, like, 
she cruelly manipulated a painfully shy child into performing when the child made it very clear that she didn't want to, but because yeah. Claudia mm-hmm. doesn't have a like a horse in the race anymore. <laughs> <laughs> she does come to that realization later, but I think she's still very in the competitive spirit. Yeah. She, so she doesn't like go home with Charlotte to no. make sure that she's okay. She stays and watches the rest of the pageant. Yeah, I thought that was awful. <laughs> yeah, and in her position, I would have been like grovelingly apologizing and then probably followed them home and stood outside their window with a big banner that said, I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would have obnoxiously apologized for possibly years to come. I actually died inside a little at just how like bad I would have felt in Claudia's shoes yeah. and I'm kind of glad the book didn't dwell on Claudia feeling bad because I don't think I would have been able to read it <laughs> it would have been very upsetting it does come up but yeah and Claudia's like well I guess I'll root for your kids instead now <laughs> <laughs> I think they all come to a yeah the the scales fall from their eyes further oh, yeah. <laughs> during the rest of the yes. during the rest of the thing oh yes Margot tells Claire to break a leg uh, in the literal sense. And Claire says she hopes Margot falls off the stage. <laughs> <laughs> this has brought out the worst in everyone. <laughs> uh, yes, then they get to the questions. Claire wanted to say that she'd save a fire extinguisher from a burning house, which I thought was <laughs> adorable and charming That's and clever. Smart. Yes. And topical. You know, she knows kind of approximately what is asked, is required here. She just yeah. doesn't know the specific. She's Five. They're so small. Like, accept a certain amount of randomness in the answers that you're going to get. Yes, like, you think? But Dawn is cringing at the idea that she might use the fire extinguisher answer. It's like Mariah gives a really good answer. Yes. Um, like, which is simultaneously a, a reasonable answer for a child to give, and also exactly what the judges want because apparently they want the five to eight year olds to be political theorists. <laughs> as beautiful and talented yes uh so yes they ask her what would she change about the world and she says she would stop wars and the audience Mm -hmm. applauds solemnly yes (laughs) yes we would we too would stop wars and she gives a quite a good sort of exposition on why and how she would do it (laughs) yes she i would say to the people who were making the wars now you stop that you settle this problem yourselves like grown-ups (laughs) <laughs> bad news for you about how grown-ups settle problems but yeah. <laughs> it's it's a good thought yeah yes no one's gonna argue with that the rest of the kids just give kid answers yes a little girl yeah. is asked what does she like best about stony brook and she says the ice cream store and dawn's like yeah she blew it like what is wrong with that answer yeah. that's fine it's adorable <laughs> what do you want like oh i i love our um our enormous municipal budget that allows us to have staff members in the playgrounds (laughs) yeah i love the fact that it's a tiny town where you know everyone and yet it's got every (laughs) facility you could possibly need for whatever story is happening this week every single thing that is narratively convenient is in stony brook (laughs) i love the fact that all the racists are sort of background characters i never have to interact with (laughs) Uh uh-huh (laughs) <laughs> the judges are going, what's this child getting at? I don't really understand this. <laughs> Four out of ten. Mm, three. <laughs> oh, God. Karen, I think, says if she could rescue three things from a burning house, she rescues various items of toys. And then her fourth item is maybe her brother, Andrew. <laughs> or maybe her pen that can write in three colours. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, do you know what? I was young enough when I read this verse that I was like, yeah. <laughs> well, Andrew's got legs. He can save himself. If, if yeah, we don't did. save the pen, no one's going for that pen. We didn't establish yeah. that Andrew wasn't in the house. Good point. Like, also, five to eight-year-olds should not be running into the burning house. Well, I think you're... <laughs> they should be well out. <laughs> That's true. And they should not be stopping to rescue three items. No. <laughs> That's an excellent point. Yes. They're going to go looking for those items. I just... Beat the whole premise of this question, judges. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, I think these questions are absolute bullshit. Oh yeah. Also, <laughs> they ask Claire what does she hope for the most of all, and Claire whispers that she hopes Santa Claus is real. And Don's like, "Oh fuck, that's really nice. That's adorable. Yes. My heart, it melted. Exactly. I don't know what Don wanted from her, but like, it's." A perfect answer. I suspect, given what we're told about the rest of the the thing, that Claire was probably a close fourth. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, like, I, I, I have a strong sense that, like, yeah. So the actual winners are, surprise, surprise, Sabrina Bouvier of Moon River fame. Um, a random ballerina who, it's foreshadowed, is quite good. Yeah. Um, and Mariah with uh, the good ship lollipop um, who tap dances because she clearly has a thing that she knows how to do. And yeah, yeah so they're all quite good. Um, but I I suspect, like, so the rest of the competition that were shown are all a bit ropey. Yeah. In, you know, yeah. as you would kind of expect. Um, but I think, like, Claire sounds like she probably did a reasonably, um, a reasonably good job. They were probably going, you know, she was funny. She was cute. She gave a adorable kid answer. Um, but we probably have to give it to the ballerina. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. We don't know yeah. what the ballerina's question answer was. No, but probably was something along the lines of global peace. <laughs> probably, yes. <laughs> yes. Whatever the hell that means when you're five. Then Margot and Karen burst into tears and Margot gets snot all over her velvet dress. <laughs> uh, and Don very magnanimously does not scold her for this. <laughs> and is a pain to point this out. Yeah. She doesn't have to wash it. And Mallory and Jesse are like, you caused all this with your pageantry. <laughs> now the children are crying. Mallory and Jesse are so judgy. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. love it so much. Also, can I just say, Jesse says, I just want to say one thing. And I promise it's not, I told you so. It's that maybe it's clear now how silly pageants are. And I was like, Jesse, that is, I told you so. Yeah, 100%. No, it's even better. It's smugger than I told you so. I love it. Yeah. That takes some confidence to say to a bunch of girls who've just inducted you into their fancy club. Who are two years older than you. You can't take back that induction. They're in the babysitters club now. I think it's also that like Je- like Mallory has like been awed by these bigger girls all her mm-hmm. life, but Jesse's just like yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> true. And Mallory is definitely seeing them in a new light. That's quite interesting because in the previous book there was a lot of like Mallory being yeah. adjusting to the fact that they are yeah. humans, yeah, um, and not the authority figures that they once were. And now she's like, wow. I've really, <laughs> I've really got a better idea of what you people are like. Yes. Yeah. They are all a bit humbled though afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think they learned a lesson. Yes. I think they all realized they have all been monsters the last few weeks. Um, yeah. And yeah, basically they all decide that because they all hate Sabrina Bouvier and she won, that's why pageants are bad. Um, I mean, just, 
I mean, pageants are bad, but they're not bad because Sabrina Bouvier won. Yeah. Sabrina is a symptom, not the cause. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Sabrina is a very small child. Sabrina is going to learn about goths and get an undercut when she's 13 and she'll be fine. And her mother will be horrified and it'll be great. Horrified and so angry. Her mother turned up in a huge amount of jewellery and perfume, by the way. I think her mother is probably Mrs. Prezioso's best friend. (laughs) No, she's Mrs. Prezioso's rival. Yes. That's much better. Mm. Oh, no. I mean, they're probably frenemies. They probably pretend to be each other's best friends, but actually just constantly try to undermine each other. Mm. Can you write this fanfic and can that be my birthday present? I mean, (laughs) when's your birthday? Uh... In a month. <laughs> I'm bad at committing to things, but I can try. Karen, we have to collaborate on this because I can't do this on my own. I'm mostly being facetious here. Mrs. Bouvier is like, oh, Sabrina won her seventh competition, la di da And um, Je- uh, Mrs. Prezioso is like, my Jenny will never darken the door of one of those. <laughs> like, I noticed that none of the babysitters club were queuing up to get Jenny Prezioso into the like, pageant. She's too young. Yeah, she's not five to eight. She's four. Oh, yeah. She's perpetually four. Yes. Mm. So that's okay. I had a horrifying mm-hmm. realisation this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Claire's in her silly phase when she calls everyone silly Billy Goo Goo. Mm-hmm. And they're trapped in an endless repeating time loop. Claire's never <laughs> going to grow out of her silly phase. No. The ghostwriters will eventually get tired of writing it. I hope so. I think, but I think I like to think that when the series stopped, Stony Brook was released from the curse and everybody started to age again. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so for their sakes. As we get into book 95 and 105, we start to get messages from the characters going, please stop buying the books. <laughs> we want to grow up. We want to be able to go to college. We want to die. <laughs> if you look away, we can grow old. <laughs> I should have graduated university by now. <laughs> I'm still four. Silly Billy Goo Goo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This podcast ain't helping anybody. <laughs> oh no, you're right. <laughs> we, we, we're introducing a whole new generation to spectating on their endless miseries. <laughs> I think a whole new generation is probably overstating it somewhat. <laughs> well, John Boyne, anyway. My child is reading them. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, and, and John Boyne, our, our <laughs> new rival. <laughs> Can that be a thing going forward? Can John Boyne just be like her? How about every week we trash talk a new like Irish literary luminary? <laughs> One of these days you're going to have to meet him and say something to his face. <laughs> and all you will be able to think of is my Babysitter's Club podcast has cast you as their nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> he at least has written some fiction that is aimed at the same age group. Marina Carr is going to be so confused. So yeah, that's kind of the the story. Um, all the girls are kind of remorseful uh, and feel bad. <laughs> Claudia is especially remorseful. She should feel worse than she feels. Yes, frankly, yes, <laughs> she was bad and she should feel bad. Um, poor Charlotte Johansson. <laughs> like, oh, you were you're feeling, you know, you're going through some stuff because you miss Stacy so much. Let me add some additional trauma on top of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's force you to do something that you hate that isn't your thing at all. Yeah, I think it was more she persuaded her to do it. She didn't actually march her up there, 
but she definitely gave her a, um, got her to feel enthusiasm that she would not have otherwise felt. I mean, I think yeah. she initially said, wouldn't you like to join in? And Charlotte said, no. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, yes, you would. It'll be great. She pest, she browbeat her into it, basically. Just, yeah, no, it, yeah, no, it wasn't fair of her to do that. No. Even if Charlotte said yes, she didn't really mean it. I think she got briefly excited when she thought, hey, there's some stuff that I'm quite good at. Like, I could recite yeah. a bit out of my favourite book. Yeah. Um, But that was not really a goer. <laughs> and they probably should have realised that. Yeah. While she was in the rehearsal phase. Yes. We do have one final savage burn from Dawn. Oh, yeah. um, which is that the town gave Sabrina Bouvier a parade, but Dawn doesn't know anyone who went to it. What? What the why would you give a six-year-old a parade for winning a beauty? What is all? What? Okay, fine. It's nine minutes past 11. I acknowledge we couldn't get it done. <laughs> we didn't do too badly, though. Yeah, no, we we're not too bad. better than I was expecting. So our life lessons, um, don't do pageants. Don't, like, suddenly become a teenage pageant mom. <laughs> yes. Like, just avoid that scene if you can. Don't be a pageant mom, particularly if you're only 13 yourself. Yeah. Peeling a banana with your feet is the best talent. It is. And yeah. one day society's going to catch up to that realisation. <laughs> Did Little Miss Sunshine kind of <laughs> take a few cues from this? I was thinking about Little Miss Sunshine while yeah, I was yeah, reading yeah, this book. Yeah. Kid with a totally unsuitable talent. Yeah. Although maybe that's a thing that happens at beauty pageants Probably. that we don't hear about. Yeah, that there's all these like pageant heads and then there's just these kids who've shown up whose parents are like, yeah. sure, I guess, whatever. And who are like, yeah. <laughs> What's my pageant? Foot juggling. Okay, cool. Yeah. That is not, those weren't words. I'm sorry. Please remove those. <laughs> I think you meant what's my talent. <laughs> what's my talent? No, the foot juggling is a real thing, Aoife. Yeah, it is. Do you not know about foot juggling? Oh my god. I thought you were trying to reference the banana peeling though and failing. <laughs> it's a it's a different thing. It's a completely different a thing. A completely different foot-based <laughs> talent. <laughs> Life lessons, I think, is just like don't be a pageant mom. Yeah, don't do what these girls did. Yeah, like and if your kids are super into doing something like a beauty pageant, I guess let them, but chill don't expect it to go well yeah there were some quite good talks from all the parents involved yes. uh, yeah and also mallory and jesse about how this wasn't fostering a healthy kind of no scenario for the small kids to be in so surprisingly this book had no interesting outfits yeah mm, that's true yeah i was i i thought we were all set to get like a ton of clothes descriptions and there were like there was Sabrina Bouvier wearing an evening gown, and that was, like, the only outfit. Well, we do have... And Margot's awesome bathing suit. Yes. That's it. <laughs> With the crocodile. Yeah. Um, they also put Margot and Claire in pretty cute little outfits for their um, talents, where Claire is dressed as a sailor. Oh, yes. She's got a sailor oh, yeah. suit on. And Margot is... They put her in... I was kind of imagining her as, like, a little mini um, Super Mario. <laughs> yeah, like, little, yeah, she's, she's a like builder instead clothes. of a plumber. But like, yeah, and she yeah. has like little tools in her pocket. With little toy tools in the pockets. Yeah. It's very cute. <laughs> she should have won. She was robbed. Yeah. Yeah. They were all robbed. I don't, Adorable. I guess beauty pageants aren't all about creativity and originality. Well, yeah, that's kind of what they, what they conclude at the end. It's like, Sabrina won because she's good at pageants, but like, <laughs> not because she was charming and original. Yeah. Which is, a legitimate gr grievance. I like actually yeah. how at the end, 
Um, so Margot is really sad. She's yeah. really distraught. And Karen is really sad too. They're both just like sobbing. And, um, Charlotte Johansson has already gone home. Yeah. Um, but Claire is all like, yeah, cool. Yeah. I had fun. Um, and then so Dawn gets a phone call. Oh yeah. <laughs> the next, like a week later from Mrs. Pike going, yeah. So Claire wants to enter another pageant. Would you? Would you be available? Um, and Claire's like, yeah. So the winner gets a lifetime supply of turtle wax, whatever that is. Can I join? And Dawn's like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> but okay. It's just such a classic, crappy, small town. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Like, I kind of like that Claire enjoyed it enough to want to have another crack at it. Yeah. yeah despite you being know? patently bad. <laughs> Um, no, she wasn't patently bad. They said specifically. Well, no, her talent was good eventually once they found something she could do, but there were many things she could not do. I mean, you know, why not? Like, why not? If she's having a laugh, yeah. if, um, it sounded like she just enjoyed performing and the audience responded to her like, yeah. oh, she's cute. She's funny. Great. Um, and she didn't mind that she didn't win. So like, you know what? Yeah. Just let her have her head. Although they're probably charging a lot of money to, yeah, to get the kids. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that might be a reason. Well, maybe they could sell their grand piano. <laughs> I would like to think that in this pageant, Claire is going to finally let the world see her kazoo skills. Yes. <laughs> head cannon accepted. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, as far as reinforcing Christie's, it's sexist, but it's fun. I mean, that's kind of the take-home from this, is like, pageants kind of suck, but if the kids don't take them too seriously, they can enjoy entering them. Mm. Statistically, you have a one in four chance of the kid enjoying the experience overall. The other three kids are <laughs> in tears. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't think it's particularly pro-pageant, no. but yeah. They might have fun. But don't bank on it. <laughs> I, I really, could you not just get them into some sort of like performance class and then they can just mm. be in a talent show or something? Yeah. That would be better than a beauty yeah. contest. Yeah. yeah. Do a recital where it's not about fostering competition. Yes. <laughs> just... yeah. And even if it is about fostering competition, it's about fostering competition for something you can do rather than like lying about being a fan of world peace <laughs> at the age of five you don't even know what that means yeah no these kids are secretly really gung-ho for the cold war but they know that's not going to play with the judges <laughs> i don't know i bet that if you if you phrase that carefully it would go down real well with <laughs> Probably, the kind of yeah. people that judge child beauty pageants i'm in favor of the american way of life <laughs> freedom blah 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 <laughs> yeah I was trying to think, when I, five, when I was five, I think I could recognise a picture of Gorbachev. Really? That's about it. <laughs> Gorbachev was one of the four world leaders I could name and recognise uh, before the age of six. It was him, Margaret Thatcher, George Bush, the older one, obviously, and Charlie Hawhey. <laughs> uh, of those four, the only thing I could tell you about any of them, I might have been able to name the country. Uh, they were in charge of the only thing, other thing I could tell you was that I knew but didn't understand why that Margaret Thatcher was a baddie. <laughs> that was all I had. So it turns out that she she wasn't the only baddie in that bunch, but you know I was fine. So yes, it's not that she was good; it's that they all sucked. Mm-hmm. In two weeks' time, we'll be doing book number sixteen, Jesse's Secret Language. Uh, so mm-hmm. join us for that. Um, in the meantime, we have lots of social media. 
Uh, we are on Instagram and Facebook and Tumblr as the podcast at Don's House. And we are on Twitter as at podcast Don. And we are on Gmail at the podcast at Don's House at gmail.com. And we never remember to check that. So um, if you send us a message, we might read it in about six months. Uh, but we absolutely love to hear from you guys. So um, come say hi. <laughs> Yeah. In fact, I'm going to be the mercenary one here. In fact, if you really want to just talk about the fact that this podcast is fun, you could leave us a review on your podcast source of choice. Yes, do that. That's our favourite thing. Like, that would be good. Mm. The other podcasts I watch tell people to do that all the time. I don't watch them. I listen to them. That's how podcasts work. I know how to do So I assume it's beneficial in some way. Yes, it, it uh, helps you to rise in the rankings and get discovered by new listeners, which... Ah. The algorithms, I understand. I am directly quoting the hosts of several other podcasts when I say that. <laughs> At this point, it might not even be true. It might be just an internet urban legend that gets passed from podcast to podcast. And maybe it, maybe it's <laughs> But, you know, propitiate the podcast gods on our behalf and leave us a review. Uh, mm -hmm. You will make our year. Look, also, to be fair, if you lead us, leave us a review, one of us will excitedly text the others in the group text about how we got a review. <laughs> oh my God. And yes. it makes our day. Makes genuinely, deeply, deeply happy. And like, I work in tech support, speaking to members of the general public. I need that boost. Okay? <laughs> exactly. Give us a review. Aoife needs it. Oh my god so i was given out last week i was like oh my god Eva told the funniest story about her dad building a pipe bomb and i have to cut it out and it breaks my heart and sophia was like well you could just keep those bits of audio and put them in the patreon when you do a patreon <laughs> <laughs> i love her i know amazing I think if you put incriminating stuff in the Patreon, it's still <laughs> incriminating. Yes. Possibly even worse. <laughs> she also suggested, like, we could put the extended cut of the parsnip talk in the Patreon. I was like, I really don't think people will pay money for that. <laughs> no, we could just punish them for giving us money by putting that in there. <laughs> you want extra content? They get extra content. We never said it would be good. Hot parsnip talk. What were you expecting? Better content? Oh my god. <laughs>